You are listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome to The Game Plan Podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders Podcast Network. I'm JT, and how excited are we this week? Week 3, Sunday, September 27th, 2020. Coming up, the Raiders travel to New England, Foxborough, to take on the Patriots. At Gillette Stadium, that is a 10 a.m. Pacific start. The Raiders come in undefeated at 2-0, the Patriots at 1-1. The game plan is about looking ahead, and we'll get to that with unbelievable guests. Howie Long, Steve Mariucci, and one of the best sports talk hosts back in New England, Andy Gresh, who knows this team as good as anybody. But we are going to spend a few moments talking about the historical win. Monday night football this past Monday The debut win for the Raiders in Las Vegas. And it was on Monday Night Football. And it was absolutely incredible. Other than the fact that fans couldn't come to the game, which hurts. It's something that we've been touching on. All year long we'll be talking about it, but it's still fresh. And it still hurts. And it's still something that everybody here in Vegas, where I live and produce this podcast... We're all talking about it. We miss you fans. And it was a great turnout in Vegas for the Raider Nation that showed up. And a lot of fans that couldn't go to the game, everyone, but they kept their hotel reservations. They drove out here. They flew out here. They filled up hotel rooms. The bars were able to open up and fans were able to get together with their masks on and watch the game and watch the Raiders win on an historic night. To be in Allegiant Stadium hosting the pre- and post-game show, to hear the game without a crowd there. The word I've been looking for, I've been trying all week to figure it out. Eerie, haunting. It was just bizarre. To be able to hear the players all the way up in the press box and where I was, where Roger Goodell was. Mark Davis didn't have anybody in that building unless they were working. And everybody was focused on the game. It was a complete team effort. And congratulations to Mark Davis on his first win at home as the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. Even though he didn't attend his mom, Carol Davis lit the torch in memory of Al Davis. That was one of the more emotional moments I've ever seen with that gorgeous torch in the background lighting up with the LED lights. It was fantastic. And then the Raiders performed. It was concerning. They were down 10 nothing early and people were wondering what was happening here. Could they come back? And the trivia question For the next 100 years, who scored the first ever Las Vegas Raider touchdown? It's Alec Ingold. Waller comes in motion to the left side. Now he'll go back out to the right. Carr's going to throw. Dumps it to him for a touchdown. Beautiful. They went to Alec Ingold. They crossed him up. I just thought the play calling was magnificent in this game. And Darren Waller, he stole the show. Connected 12 times for 103 yards and one touchdown with Derek Carr, who was magnificent also in this game. Waller was unguardable, especially in the second half of that game, and he was just breaking open, wide open, running Chris routes. He's going for it on fourth down. Big boy football. No field goal. Deadlocked at 17. Ingold set in front of Jacobs. Carr going to throw. Rolls right, wide open, touchdown Waller. Beautiful play. How about hearing Tom Flores in the background of that call with Lincoln Kennedy, Brent Musburger on the play-by-play. The Raiders took the lead, which was unbelievable. Uh, Jalen Richard fumbled in that game, and then he bounced back with one of his most important touchdowns in his career as a Raider. Toss play over to the Raiders, Jalen Richard this time. And he got a first down. How about that? How about Jalen Richard? How about that? Walking the tightrope. What a play call. Now, I took a video at that point, put it on my Facebook page. You couldn't hear anybody. It was dead silent. When he turned the corner and tiptoed the sideline, you heard the Raider bench from the upper deck start to cheer. It was very surreal to watch that, but also an explosive night, the way the Raiders played. Now, how about the call by John Gruden on Carlson's field goal to ice the game? They could have punted it. A lot of people debated this. He had confidence in his kicker. Good snap. Good hold. Kick on its way. Got it. Yeah, baby. Vegas is going to win its first game at Allegiant Stadium. Absolutely. Great call by Brett Musburger and the team. Again, congratulations to Tom Flores, who was brought into the booth, and it was a fantastic night as the Raiders go to 2-0. I think John Gruden needs a lot of credit and deserves it. He deserves a lot of credit for that game. He outcoached Sean Payton. I told you on the last podcast, as we previewed that game, that this was going to be a chess match. John Morton. 
Greg Olson, the coaching staff that was familiar with New Orleans, going up against Dennis Allen, former head coach of the Silver and Black, and Sean Payton, and the Raiders coaching staff won that battle. Very important we point that out as we get you ready for John Gruden on a short week going up against the greatest coach of all time. Yes, Bill Belichick is the greatest football coach of all time, surpassing Shula Lombardi, all the great legends. He backed it up with his six as a head coach, two as an assistant. It's a Bill Belichick coaching tree and everybody looks up to it so the Raiders have their hands full as they get ready for this game and what it will mean Uh, coming off the win John Gruden talked about how efficient the team was putting that game plan together well for the last couple weeks we've been pretty good uh, taking care of the ball uh, talking no turnovers converting on third down having some balance and winning the time of possession and when you can win the time of possession and keep Breeze and Sean Payton over there together on the sideline, you have a chance. But we knew it was going to be a 15-round fight here tonight. We knew the Saints uh, were going to give us everything that we had, and certainly the third down conversions was big tonight. John Gruden talked about Derek Carr, who was fantastic in this game. How about Carr and the way that Derek played in this game? Uh, The leader, the way he was getting outside the pocket, he was fantastic. 28-38. That's a 73.7% pass completion, 282 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions, and Gruden touched on it. Outside of the stat sheet, Derek Carr was awesome tonight. Uh, he made some, um, some plays today that uh, very few guys that I've coached could make. I tip my hat to him. He hung in there against a, a very multiple defense. We expected that from them coming in here on a long week with a veteran defense. Now heading into this game, the offensive line is banged up. We wait on Trent Brown to see his status. Richie Incognito felt something in the Achilles. And John Simpson came into play. I talked to him earlier in the week on my radio show, and John Gruden talked about this next man up and the depth of the offensive line and how Simpson played. Well, you know, i got to see the film to see how your left guard plays. But uh, we moved the ball. We converted some third downs. Derek made some audibles. Uh He showed his ability to go in uh, as a young player in a very critical situation and do a lot of things well, but uh, really proud of him. I can't say that I've been harder on any other rookie in the last couple years than John Simpson uh, because we drafted him with a high expectation to come in here and be a player for us. And uh, for all the Clemson fans out there, we just love those Tigers, man. They're, They're They're a big part of this Raider team. I wanted to include that in this week's edition of the game plan because it's important. He was drafted to play in case this offensive line is banged up, and they are. And this is what happens with this offensive line. They're elite when healthy. When they're not healthy, they're not super elite. They could be very good. And we're at that point going into a critical test, and we'll get into that. Finally, what John Gruden thought about the win. Remember, the emotions for Coach Gruden. Everything he's dealt with in the offseason, going up against someone in Sean Payton who he's very close with, and to get the first win in the history of Las Vegas at home. Well, it tells, uh, tells me that we're on the right track. We've got a really competitive group of guys. We need to get healthy. We need Kwiatkowski back. We need Trent Brown back. Obviously, uh, we need Incognito back. But uh, this is a young team. I give Mike Mayock and his staff a lot of credit. Uh, some of these young guys are getting better. And, um, you know, that's, that's a good sign. But we got a short week. There's no no time to really enjoy this. we got to go to Foxborough and uh, – play the New England Patriots, so we're excited to do that. Just a couple of things on this game and the stats going in. Cam Newton is off to a good start. He's thrown for 552 yards, but only one touchdown. One touchdown, one interception, and that touchdown is to a fullback. So these wide receivers haven't gotten going in the end zone. But Sony Michelle, if you look at the depth of this team and what they can do, they're led by Julian Edelman, who after two games has 13 receptions for 236 yards. I want to stress this in the podcast. He's got to be hit. Edelman, Wes Welker in the past. Remember Danny Amendola? Why have these slot receivers been so successful, winning multiple Super Bowls and having these great careers? Because they line up and they are a favorite target of the quarterback. And that used to be Tom Brady. Now it's Cam Newton. The Raiders have to slow down Julian Edelman. Because New England's got one of the best secondaries in football. Fantastic. Their corners will get into maybe the best in football. That secondary is outstanding. So for me, the Raiders' corners and their slot corners got to step up. Hit Edelman off the line of scrimmage. Make them work. You can't give Julian Edelman a five-yard cushion. 
You can't on third down guard him at the third down marker. You've got to make him get off his route. And if he goes in motion, keep an eye on him. The play's going to him. They have good players. And they are known for their defense. And Cam Newton can run. Nikhil Harry, their young wide receiver who was drafted last year in the first round, he's ready to break out. And he's got some breakaway speed. I thought the Raiders did a nice job without Michael Thomas for New Orleans keeping the receivers in front of them. So I'm going to get right into it now. We know what's at stake. The opportunity for the Silver and Black to go 3-0, and going up against their toughest coaching test ever because Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. So you can imagine on a short week how tough it's been for the Raiders to turn it around with some injuries, try to get this team healthy for another massively long road trip where they're trying to get out of Foxborough with a win. Tells me that we're on the right track. We've got a really competitive group of guys. We need to get healthy. We need Kwiatkowski back. We need Trent Brown back. Obviously, uh, we need Incognito back. But uh, this is a young team. I give Mike Mayock and his staff a lot of credit. Uh, some of these young guys are getting better. And, um, you know, that's, that's a good sign. But we got a short week. There's no, no time to really enjoy this. we got to go to Foxborough and uh, play the New England Patriots. So we're excited to do that. JT, as we continue on the game plan, it is an honor to welcome Hall of Famer Howie Long to the show and podcast. And Howie, first off, uh, your comments on the opening of the stadium, Mrs. Davis lighting the torch, and what you thought of that first win in Vegas. <clears throat> well, it, it's, it's an exciting time. Um, I, I, it has been, uh, you know, as I said on our show, it's like, you know, you, in, in the Bible they say, you know, the, the people wandered through the desert for 40 years trying to find a home in, in classic Raider fashion. We wandered through the desert and made a home in the desert. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful stadium. I think it's the perfect stadium for the franchise. Uh, and I think Mark's, when I, and I think about the two marks. I think about Mark Davis and and him being a man of his word and trying to work something out in Oakland and uh, doing the best he could. And when a deal wasn't going to be done there, going to Vegas, which seems just as as few as six seven years ago, seemed improbable. Uh, to pull that off is is a classic uh, Davis move and. Uh, Mark Bedane uh, being a, a, a good soldier for, for Mark. And uh, the two Marks, when they put their heads together, they can do a lot of things. And uh, a win like that against a team like New Orleans, um, and, you know, people will say, well, the offense for New Orleans is a little bit kind of <clears throat> behind this year for whatever reason. Um, that's a really good defense and a depleted offensive line for the Raiders. And the backups really stepped in and played exceptionally well. And Josh Jacobs, you know, I don't know that a lot of people across the country have had an opportunity really to to see him much. Uh, him and and Waller are are two extremely dynamic players. And you know, Jacobs is a guy that uh, his physicality, his his running style uh, is both as a receiver and a runner. But when he puts his head down, uh, it's, it's kind of like Ezekiel Elliott. I was watching the Dallas game again last night, and, you know, he's such a power back. And <clears throat> Josh packs so much punch in, in his running style. And uh, I think that, that serves the offense well and sets up your play-action passing. And, and Waller is a guy that I'm not sure the rest of the country knows about. <clears throat> and I think they got a real glimpse at what I think is, you know, arguably as good a tight end as there is in football right now. Yeah, Wallow had a great game. And Howie, a little bit of a concern with this offensive line with Trent Brown being out and trying to get him yep. right and incognito. Felt something in the Achilles. This is a great offensive line when they're available. If they're not available, no a lot of other guys have to step up. So talk about what they have to do and what Mayock and Gruden are trying to do to complement this offensive line with healthy players. Well, I think you have to change your your approach a little bit. Uh, I thought it's good, right? The kid at right tackle that came in for Trent Brown, um, really physical guy who's kind of a, a straight line guy. And I thought, given the challenge that he had versus a, a, a really good defensive end from New Orleans, I, I I thought he played exceptionally well. But 
when the run game's going, you can help your offensive line, and you see it all over the league. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's not just it's not just the Raiders. It's you know you could count any number of successful football teams that everything in terms of the pass game and and protection is set off of the run game. And I thought the offensive line did a great job the other night versus what I consider to be one of the best front sevens in football. And I thought they gave Tampa Bay fits in week one. And that was a concern. And I thought as the game, you know, went on and, you know, they ran off those 24 straight points, that was a turning point. And, you know, I I think to start the game the way the game started, you were like, oh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, poise and, you know, commitment to doing doing it uh, over the over the full, full four quarters uh, was on display, and I thought uh, as a team and as a coaching staff, uh, hats off to them. That's you know, a, 2-0, and oh, a win's a win, man, and particularly at home at the new stadium. It's great. That's exactly where I wanted to go with you, Howie, because John Gruden beat himself up in the offseason when it came to goal line and the offense, red zone efficiency, and how to get guys more productive, and we didn't have a lot of opportunities last year to talk about Coach Gruden and second-half adjustments and wins, especially late in the season. I thought this was a golden opportunity to talk about Coach Gruden out-coaching Sean Payton, or at least it's showing up in the box score, and him getting the credit this week going in to his toughest coaching game plan of the year going up against the legend and Bill Belichick. Yeah, you know, I, I think I, everyone knows that John's a great coach. Um, and, and John has his kind of fingerprints on, on everything that happens with the football team, as he should. Uh, that's why he's been brought in, and that's why Mark, uh, you know, signed him to the kind of deal he signed him to. And <clears throat> those are the games where, you know, you're not just playing against the New Orleans Saints and, you know, the plethora of players they have on both sides of the ball and, uh, when you look at their secondary and the two corners and, you know, the defensive front and, and all that, uh, you've got your hands full. And managing that and coming up with a game plan and a style that would make New Orleans uncomfortable both offensively and defensively as the game wore on. <clears throat> and really, and I'm sure John would say this, it, it, it comes down to are your players engaged? Are, are they buying into what you're doing? Uh, are they committed to it? Are they mentally and physically tough enough to survive kind of a, a slow start and then, you know, finish the deal? You know, I always talk about finish the, finish the play, finish the drive, finish the quarter, finish the half, finish the game. And, you know, I think for every guy to buy in, you know, and I've said this before, I mean, you can be in the team, you can happy, you can be happy to be in the team picture or is each guy in that team picture wanting to be great at whatever role they have, <clears throat> whether that's a backup offensive lineman, it's, it's a, you know, a wide receiver, or a, a corner who's coming in. And, you know, early on the secondary had some issues and, and they got it kind of straightened out a bit. Uh, I'd like to see more pressure up front and, and that hopefully will come. And I think one of the things that our organization was always good at, particularly with, you know, Mr. Davis, and, and I'm sure Mark, although I know he's, he, he's anxious for, you know, things to, to turn now and be a contender now, and, and that certainly looks like we're heading in that direction. But I think the patience of an organization with young players is, is really important, particularly in this kind of attention deficit kind of society we're in and, and, and league we're in right now, because if players aren't good in their first couple of years and they, they show signs of glimmers of hope, but, but they're not where they should be. Uh, you know, you see more often than not teams giving up on them. And I think that's a mistake. Howie, I wouldn't say the defensive line's getting heat, but they're not getting much of a pass rush. And I think Crosby, who had the great year last year, is getting chipped and double teamed. Cleveland Farrell's trying to find his role. They can move him inside. He can play on the outside. And, you know, they don't have to... I'd like to see him more. I, you know, just me personally, mm-hmm. I'd... I, I know Key played played well in Week One, and you know, and I and I get the concept of rotating in today's game and and all that. Uh, but I would like to see Farrell. I'd like to see him outside and 
get an opportunity just to cut it loose, you know, and, and get his reps in and uh, have an opportunity to, uh, you know, to grow uh, and, and become a, a player. And he's one of the guys I'm talking about in terms of, in terms of patience. <clears throat> that left end, and, and you know, the, the, I, I think really left, right, it's blurred now because you get, if you're playing right tackle, you're seeing every great pass rusher on every team because <clears throat> they're flipping sides, you know, more now than ever. Mm-hmm. You know, if, whether it's Von Miller or Khalil Mack or, you know, you name it, they're, they're playing both sides. So you're seeing both guys. And when you're a left defensive end, you get a lot of tight end over there. You get a lot of chip. Uh, you know, that path to the quarterback is usually – filled with a lot of traffic uh, and, and right defensive end. Typically, you know, you've got your stud over there at left tackle and you're, you're saying, well, we're going to block you one-on-one until you prove that uh, we can't do that. Um, <clears throat> and it, hopefully it'll come. I, 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 like, uh, I like Marinelli a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I have a lot of respect for him. I think if you continue to work hard, you know, and I'm talking about – individual period i'm talking about film work i'm talking about every single snap that you take those first two steps whether it's half speed three-quarter speed or full speed those first three steps that get off has to be great and and it has to be consistent and if you do those things if you're if you're pouring over the film everyone practices for two hours Everyone, you know, meets for two hours. Everyone gets in the weight room periodically, and, and everyone goes in and gets their treatment. It's what separates average from good and good from very good and very good from great is the extra time that you put in. How committed are you to being great individually and collectively? And I, and I think uh, the more you do that, the better chance you have of, of being great. Oh, I wanted to wrap it up with Cam Newton. When you're at the desk at Fox NFL Sunday these first few weeks, what have you seen? What have surprised you from the offseason and this fit with Belichick and Josh McDaniels with Cam? Well, I think it's really amazing that, you know, and I'm not surprised, you know, Chris having played up there. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I've always been an admirer of Bill's and, you know, his approach to coaching. And, you know, he's got his fingers on everything whether it's special teams, defense, secondary coverage, <clears throat> offensive game plan, philosophy, you know, situational football, he covers it all. And, and he's also, you know, he's got his fingers in the personnel moves, too, and contract talks. So Bill does a lot of things. He wears a lot of different hats. But Cam, to have picked him up as late as they did, on a salary like they did, uh, which was puzzling to me. I, I, you know, the only thing I could think of was <clears throat> here we were in the COVID situation, and you know, players couldn't get to doctors to to get a physical to find out if they were in fact healthy. As it turns out, Cam looks fully healthy, mm-hmm. and and really, I, I'm I'm really optimistic about his year because he's bought in. He's bought into what they do, and, you know, when you're talking about preparation, as I just <clears throat> talked about a few seconds ago, they do it as good as anyone there. Uh, you know, the way they meet, the way they practice, the way they do walkthroughs, the way they structure a game plan, the commitment that you have to have week to week, because they change what they do week to week. And for them to change their offense, having Cam for that short of amount of time and to look as crisp as they do. And, you know, they were right there, obviously, on the two-yard line at the end of the game to win, and they went back to a play that they'd had success with, and Seattle did a great job. Uh, They did a great job. But Cam looks good, and you're always happy for a player when they've had some injuries and they have the opportunity to come back. But you will need to stop the run uh, versus this this group and because the quarterback is part of that run game uh it forces you to get another hat in the box and uh the the numbers game 
works in, to their advantage. Lastly, you mentioned, Chris, I watched a recent game with your son, Howie, out here at the stadium, and I call him a Swiss, Swiss Army knife now. He's done everything at a young age within the organization. I think that is sharp. It's smart. He's taking in all this knowledge from around the Raider organization in all of these different capacities. Can you talk about that and how proud you are of him and his role with the Raiders? Yeah, you know, it's and, and I'm, I appreciate the fact that you're mentioning Howie. Uh, I, I really am very proud of him. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've often said he's the only one in the family who has a real job. Uh, and you're right. He's done every conceivable thing there is to do. And, you know, whether it's through the personnel department or the sales department, uh, you know, and, and listen, I, I know a guy by the name of Mark Bedane who came in as, uh, you know, he was, he was a, a glorified assistant in the late 80s uh, and uh, worked his way up through the organization doing every conceivable job there was to do. And he's now the team president and, you know, was a big part of the team moving to Vegas. So, you know, how he bleeds silver and black like the rest of the family. Uh, and uh, I know he's, uh, he's someone who cares a great deal about the organization and the team and uh, he looks at uh, he looks at he looks at the team from a wide lens. Yes, and uh, you know he's a thinker and a doer, and real proud of him. Thanks, Howie. You've been real kind with your time the last couple of weeks. I hope to see you soon. You got a partner. Take care. There he is, Howie Long. Wow, nice comments about his son, Howie, who I think the world of, and you know Howie's excited about the Raiders. He's got such a big job on Fox that is such a successful show. And when he jumps in and talks about the Raiders, it's fantastic. And when he jumps in on the Game Plan podcast, you got to be kidding me. Todd, as a young coach, as a young person, start fast is the key to everything. We like to start games uh, like we start the third quarter. But um, that's something we've got to continue to work on. We can't let the opponent take the ball down the field for points. I think that's two weeks in a row. Touchdown, Las Vegas. Since starting Allegiant some 20 years ago, we've flown more than 100 million people to be with those they love. We're pilots, flight attendants, and technicians. But we're also parents, spouses, and neighbors. And just like you, we're excited to reconnect with the people and places that matter most. That's why we're going the distance for health and safety, on the ground and in the air. Because the further we go now, the safer it'll be to go farther tomorrow. Allegiant, the official airline of the Las Vegas Raiders. Low fares, nonstop flights, only at Allegiant.com. So we kick off the game plan with Howie Long, and now we get an opportunity to talk to one of my favorite coaches. You think John Gruden is? Yes, John Gruden is one of my all-time favorite people, but so is Steve Mariucci, the great Steve Mariucci from NFL Network, kind enough to join us on the game plan. And coach, I always break bread or see you in Napa for the Raiders, and last night you're watching Monday Night Football. It's Gruden versus your friend Sean Payton, and it's Vegas. Tell me your thoughts. Oh, man, what a game that was. Uh, well played, especially by the Raiders. I love the stadium. I can't wait to see people in the darn thing. Although, J.D., did you notice the broadcast? They did a pretty good job with the fake crowd noise, even on the television. Uh, it, it felt like if you were just listening to the game, there was a full house there. But, uh, boy, the Raiders look pretty darn good, don't they? And then our good friend Mike Mayox over there, right, who worked with us for a lot of years, uh, you know, just congratulating Gruden at the end of the game. That was a lot of fun last night. Yeah, it was. And, Coach, the Raiders are banged up. Trent Brown not able to go incognito, went out in that game. Yeah. Mike Mayock tried to build depth. Tom Cable, the offensive line coach, a former head coach, to try to get that offensive line going. You said this is one of the best offensive lines in football, but if they're not healthy, they can't be super elite. Is that a concern going forward? A little bit. And then Richie Incognito was hurt a little bit, too, wasn't he, last night? Yeah. And so I see Tom Cable on the sidelines. Man, he lost a lot of weight. He used to be my offensive line coach at the University of California way back in wow. the day, yeah. 96. But, uh, you know, it's a well-coached team right now. And, you know, there's injuries, right? There's injuries, gosh, on every team, it seems. And, and uh, you know, we're talking about the, last, the first two weeks of this season with key players in this not just the Raiders, but how about the Niners uh, with all their injuries, too? And it's a matter of who's got the most depth because right now a lot of teams are playing with their backups. Steve Mariucci joins us. Coach, what was it like back 
when you were a head coach, when you saw that many injuries happen quickly in a season to stars? This is a TV show. This is a league based on stars, and so many went down week two. Yeah, and and and, and some of them are out for the year, from Saquon Barkley to to Bosa to uh, gosh, you know, and and uh, Drew Locke now over there, quarterback Solomon Thomas, right, and and just Jerry Jude, on and on and on. Um, we've got, you've got to have depth, like I mentioned. But the other thing is you've got to have the ability to bring in players and try them out. And that we've suffered a little bit in that area because of COVID. Really couldn't be bringing in you know five guys a week just to work them out to see where they are in case you get into a bind. You can go grab them. Uh, sometimes now you got to just sign a new guy for your roster, sight on scene, and, and hope that he's in pretty darn good shape. Steve Mariucci is our guest. The great work he does at NFL Network, incredible. Second to none. Walk me through Cam Newton and his play so far this year because he could just move on that read option, but he's throwing it better, Coach. I'm really impressed with his ability to pick up Josh McDaniels' offense so quickly and move that team. I think Josh McDaniels picked up Cam Newton's offense quickly. <laughs> yeah, right. I- Right, I mean, they they kind of threw out most of what they did with Tom Brady in terms of the passing game, and that that running game is uh, very college-like, very hard to stop. What a game that was with Seattle and New England went right down to the last goal line play, thirty-five to thirty. It was a classic, and Cam Newton and what he what he proved is a like you mentioned. He learned this system and, and working with his new guys quickly. And the other thing is he can still throw the football. He threw it for 397 yards because he needed to at the end. They don't want to play like that all the time. But he and Julian uh, Edelman from right here in the Bay Area, um, boy, they really seem to be clicking right now. So that becomes a pretty dangerous thing. I thought probably like most people, I thought that the Patriots were going to kind of take a nosedive this year with all the guys they lost in free agency all the guys, eight of them opted out because of the pandemic. And so they were thin to start off with, but Cam seems to be saving the day. And Josh McDaniels is a guru. He's a kind of a mad scientist. He's going to have all kinds of RPOs and speed options and, and zone reads and you name it, quarterback powers that he's going to run with Cam. And I uh, hope he doesn't get beat up, but he sure playing like he did in his MVP year. Steve Mariucci, and great to talk to him. Good friend and all the great work he does. We'll get to his charity work coming up here. Uh, Coach, what is it like to prep for Bill Belichick when you had to travel from San Francisco to New England, that cross-country trip, and you're looking at your staff, and and just a Belichick coach team when you know he's in front of you, and it's two weeks out, advanced scouts, preparation, game plan, knowing that he might leave the game probably as the greatest coach of all time. What's that preparation like? It's crazy because the Raiders have to go out there and play the early game. That's always a bugger just just for your body clock, all right? And then, B, you're playing against a a team who is probably the most versatile kind of a team on both sides of the ball. You you really don't know what you're going to get until you start playing because they, they have changed their game plan from week to week at times where Tom Brady would come out and hand the ball off 10, 12 in a row, or he'd come out and sling 15 or 20 times in a row and different personnel groups, and, he, and he, really, he really alters what he does from week to week. Same on defense. They play a lot of man-to-man, but they got a lot of different combination coverages that you got to be prepared for in blitzes. So it's going to be a challenge. But I'm telling you right now, Raiders are playing pretty confidently uh, at, at Two and zero, and and Derek Carr is playing very well, and I'm so impressed with Darren Waller. Man, alive! That guy is as good as it gets in our league, and we've got a we've got a plethora of great tight end slash receiver types in this league. And then, of course, Josh Jacobs is just a beast. And and uh, I, I didn't see this coming. I knew he'd be a good player coming out of Alabama, but uh, you know they're just using him as a workhorse and just pounding him. He's not a big, big guy. And uh, getting some use out of him in the passing game, too. And so, man, I, I'm excited for this team. Coach, let's talk about your personal life, your family. Uh, in general, I saw you had another groundbreaking recently, and you're really putting your time to the foundation and the work and your footprint going forward, not only as a former coach and a broadcaster. What's inspiring you right now at this moment? Oh, thanks. Um, you know, this this world's in a crazy place right now, and, and – uh, and then you kind of sit back, you spend a lot of time at home. We're all spending way too much time at home. Um, and you get to thinking, man, there's a lot of people out there that need help. And, and so 
I've always been, you know, you know about our Mad Mariucci Bocce event. And mm-hmm. We had to cancel that this year. We've raised over $8 million with that. I just saw John this weekend. Uh, but but uh, my foundation is, is building. A, I'm from the Upper Peninsula, Michigan. You ever been there? I have been. My wife's from Illinois. i got to get up there because I saw the ground breaking. there. All roads lead to Marquette, Michigan, and Iron Mountain, <laughs> Michigan. It's called the Upper Peninsula, UP. They call us UPers. Anyway. I'm building a hospitality house there. It's, it's like a Ronald McDonald house, but Ronald McDonald house supports children's hospitals, right? And the, the, the uh, hospital that we have is a general hospital in Marshall. So our BK house has got to move from one side of the town to the other. It's just long winters there, so we can be close. And so we did our groundbreaking event, my wife and I, uh, last month, right, three weeks and it's it's uh, you know we've we've provided uh, over sixty four million dollars of lodging for people wow. that are getting care in the hospital over the last few years, and we're gonna make it a new one, bigger and better, and and for a long long time we're gonna help out people that really uh, that really need the help as their, their loved ones are getting medical attention. So I love doing that, and and so it's it's become a, a real passion of mine to uh, you know give back or do what we can, especially to. Well, we grew up, right? We yeah. all grew up someplace, and, and so uh, whether it's your church or your school or your community, if you're in a position to help, I think you should help. Absolutely. Really proud of the work you're doing with your family. Finally, I'd be remiss if I didn't follow up. House Coach Madden, I can imagine. Wish we would have been there if we didn't have COVID, the opening of the stadium, yeah. and uh, what's yeah. it like when you have a conversation with Coach Madden at this stage in his life? You know, he's been quarantined pretty good. He and Virginia, his wife, mm. Um, you know, they're getting up in age, and they've had a few medical issues recently, so he's doing fine. They're both doing fine. Uh, Virginia was there as well. You know what I did is I went over to his studio. He's got the studio there in Pleasanton uh, where he, <laughs> he's he got all the screens up, you know, 10 screens, and you watch all the games. It's just like being down at the, our NFL Network and, and watching all the games, and, and he's been doing that for years with his family and friends, and it was just the family there this time because there's not a lot of people you know, mixing it up, uh, uh, you know, with social distancing. But he's in great spirits. Uh, he's still sharp, man. Mm-hmm. We talk football, and he's talking about things like, I notice that, man. You know, it's like he, when he watches 10 games, he's really pulling a lot of stuff out of it. But uh, he's doing fine, and, and uh, you know, hopefully he'll get out and around a little bit more as, as things lighten up a little bit here with the COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Coach, good to talk to you again. Everything you do on NFL Network, the work you do on TV, what you're doing, obviously, with your charity work and just your analysis and your friendship. Really great to catch up with you again. Thank you so much. Well, JT, thanks, and, and uh, have a great season. Hopefully we get to do this again sometime. Always great catching up with you, and let's go with the Raiders, man. They look like they got a chance. They look really sharp right now. Let's hope they stay pretty healthy. Thank you, Coach. Steve Mariucci, as we game plan ahead and look to New England, and as he pointed it out, with Belichick and McDaniels and what that preparation looks like, it is intense. Anytime you step in a stadium like that, it it does bring back memories, and some of the memories aren't great, but we're excited to play. We're excited to play the Patriots and, and see what we can get done in a short week. They're a heck of a team. We continue on the game plan with one of my favorites, a great sports talk host on WPRO and CBS Sports Radio and knows the Patriots as good as anybody. Andy Gresh joins us. Andy, thanks for joining us on the game plan. How you been? JT, I always love chatting with you. This game is interesting on many, many levels. It is, and the Raiders come in 2-0 on Monday Night Football. First off, your perception of the broadcast and how Allegiant Stadium looked and the Raiders, who were a heavy underdog at home playing New Orleans and had that great second half to win the game. All I could think about, JT, was, oh, the people of Vegas had been waiting for this moment pretty much their whole lifetime and i know that they got an nhl team out there but the nfl it you know with all due respect to the national hockey league the nfl is the sports straw that stirs the drink i think in this country so to to look at that beautiful facility and to see it empty was really just kind of gut-wrenching from a pure football fan standpoint my wife and I were out there in February, and that place looks awesome. Like, I'm not one of those guys who says, I got to go to a game just to go to a game because I want to see the facility and take it in. But Vegas is one of those teams and, and one of those facilities on that list. And look, 
Uh, I was quite honestly, JT, I was kind of surprised with the Raiders because, you know, I knew they could be good. I knew they'd been putting together a good roster. I like the way Gruden and Mayock have approached it. But there's just this air of, are they going to break through? Because as I look at it, you know, we've gone through a quarterback change back here. And I look at Derek Carr and it's, okay, is this going to be the year he realizes the full potential and maybe wins a game or two for the Raiders that they probably wouldn't have in the past. But that said, they've been impressive to this point. And one of the things that jumps out to me, JT, when I look at the Raiders is speed. They're really fast. Andy, it's interesting. As long as the Patriots play the Raiders, no matter where they play, we'll always go back to the tuck rule. It'll always be it's low-hanging fruit for the networks who's carrying <laughs> the game, all the NFL shows. And remember, Gruden, that was Gruden's last game as the coach of the Raiders. And a lot of people forget that. He went on to win the Super Bowl, but when you look at the timeline of that, Patriots go on to win their first Super Bowl. It's the end of Gruden with the Raiders. Al Davis makes that huge trade and got a lot for Gruden. I mean, he didn't get a little. That was a blockbuster deal, and Gruden always wanted to come back, and the respect between Gruden and Belichick is immense. Raiders come into uh, Foxborough on a short week against a team that no longer has Tom Brady. Yeah, and it's funny because up here, JT, I think when Brady was here, the tuck rule was something that we would always hear, hear about every once in a while, especially when it came time to play the Raiders, and I know around here this week, it really hasn't been talked about very much. That's a part of the history. But, you know, before the tuck rule from the New England end, there was always Sugar Bear Hamilton in the mid-70s that everybody would refer to. Now we're two generations removed of Patriot fans. You know, my my kid who's 18, he, uh, he didn't remember Sugar Bear Hamilton. He doesn't even know Sugar Smacks, for crying out loud. And then it's all Tom Brady's gone and everybody is into Cam Newton. So it's interesting, the layered history between these two teams. And, of course, you know, going all the way back to the the 60s and the AFL. And there's a rich history here. And I'm glad you mentioned Gruden and Belichick because, yes, Belichick did do a press conference earlier this week where he looked like he had just walked in from either an (laughs) all-nighter or slept in the facility 24 hours breaking down film. But that is a part, I think, for, from the Gruden end, there's a real challenge for him of it's Belichick. We know where he stands in the pantheon of coaching. I mean, other coaches recognize, okay, this guy's good. i got to be on the top of my game. And I think that's one of the real cool parts of this game coming up on Sunday here because th- those two guys are definitely going to layer the game plan because they know each other can coach. And I, as a big football guy, am really fascinated to see how that develops. Andy, let's go through the Cam Newton start. He's only thrown one touchdown. It's to a fullback, but his running game has been incredible. He got stopped on that last play in Seattle. And by the way, they replayed that game the other night on NFL Network, and I watched it. That was a classic. If Russell Wilson doesn't throw all those touchdowns, I think Cam and the Patriots might win that by double digits. That was an MVP performance by Wilson just to barely to hang on and win that game. I thought the Patriots did almost everything right in that game, other than giving up a couple of big passes downfield. Yeah, and JT, if you look at two of those touchdowns, that the one you're talking about, the Metcalf, was a great throw, a great catch, amidst great coverage. Like People forget that Stephon Gilmore had his arm in there. Metcalf was able to come down with the ball. It wasn't like somebody running free like what we ended up seeing uh, on the Chris Carson touchdown where Adrian Phillips completely got hoodwinked and got beat on that. And then there was a, you know, a crossing route they got beat bad on and took advantage of Phillips and the touchdown against Jason McCourty. I mean, the, you know, you're, you're talking about toe-tapping ballet theatrics for one of those touchdowns to be scored. But that said, uh, they know they need to do better. They've got to figure out how to consistently rush the passer without losing contain. Russell Wilson beat him a couple times, JT, because the Patriots gave him the ability to slide out of the pocket. And look, David Carr, he's not Russell Wilson, but he has the ability to move with his legs. And that's something that the Patriots have to be worried about in dealing with him. But overall, they came away feeling good about the performance. For me, JT, I was a little—I was disappointed in the way Cam handled the final 25 seconds. Yeah. You get that first down to Edelman, fight the ball. You have a timeout, you got a first down. So you reset the downs, waste the first down to spike it. Then you got 18 seconds at a timeout and three downs to try to score a touchdown. 
it may have ended up going down the way it did where it would have been one goal line play. But the one thing that I always knew, JT, is that Tom Brady would not waste time. And to me, that was a real coaching point in terms of Belichick to Newton. And if he's in that spot again, will he handle it differently? Andy Gretz joins us as we game plan the Patriots Raiders coming up on Sunday. You, I don't know this, but I don't know if you know this either, but Hightower and Chung opting out. You think they're regretting it now, seeing that there's no COVID yet, knock wood in the NFL, and their personal issues to opt out? There's a really good football team missing a couple of really good players with experience because they decided with their personal preference, which I don't criticize to opt out. Yeah, I, I think for those guys, JT, they're resolute in their thoughts. And and look, the one thing that, that Bill Belichick does, he doesn't give second and third contracts to everybody, but the guys that he does give those second and third contracts to, there's a reason. And normally it's because they're cerebral, they can think, they can play the game the way Belichick wants them to play it. So as I look at it, and everybody is going to be different on their own personal opinion on COVID, there's no question. But you you bring in smart football players who have the ability to see things more than just the outside world of football. And because you bring in those kind of guys, there are going to be some that are going to make decisions like this. With Dante Hightower, he had a baby under one month old. I mean, literally new, Mm -hmm. new, newborn. And he has a mother who lives with him or, or is there all the time, especially with a newborn in the house. And she has a medical condition as well. So for Hightower, he was protecting others in his mind, and he was more than willing to sit the season out to be able to do so, and no one busted his chops. And there were some other guys as well, you know, Patrick Chung. Honestly, I didn't even think Patrick Chung was going to be on this team considering he had a a legal situation at the beginning of 2020 that he had to clean up, but he's hung around so far, and then he opts out. I, I don't think so, JT, and I really don't think, there are guys on that football team that are thinking about it. Like the McCourty brothers are not the kind of guys who are going to be sitting around dog cussing Hightower behind the scenes because he's not out there with them. Andy Gresh, a must-follow. How good is this analysis of the Patriots at the real G-R-E-S-H? You know, for the Raiders coming into this game, Josh Jacobs is really the X factor for them because if they want to take the air out of the ball and run it, he can run it and really dominate a game. He's the Raiders franchise back, and they have him. And Carr came off a pretty good game, and I know you saw the performance of Darren Waller, who is a beast. You covered Gronk's entire career, and I'm not putting Waller on that level. Gronk, to me, is a first ballot Hall of Famer, but... What worked well for the Raiders is when they spread out and went four or five wide against New Orleans, and I don't think that's a strength for them in this game because of the Patriots' secondary. How good is this secondary still for the Patriots, one of the best in football the last three to five years? JT, they're really good because they have corners who can cover, and you can mix Jason McCourty in there along with J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore. So you got three guys. However... Jonathan Jones, the fourth corner at times, is the dude who does get picked on. And Seattle went to him a bunch of times. The the real interesting part of the secondary is it's their strength, JT, but they've also got Joan Williams, a guy who kind of comes in to match up against tight ends. And and let me add another layer of this, because, look, I think the Patriots are going to look at this and they try to take away the biggest weapon, and they're going to try to make sure to neutralize Waller, the tight end. How do they do that? Go back to something that Aqib Tlaib, of all people, said, JT, on a podcast, which was, hey, man, Belichick called me and wanted me to be his tight end slayer, so to speak, and to be the guy that matched up against tight ends. Tlaib said no, so Joan Williams filled in that role. And between him and another and a rookie, Kyle Duggar, who's much more of the aggressive type safety sort of turn him loose, it'll be really interesting to see how this defensive staff matches up against Waller, do they just say, we're going to put Joan Williams on him? Do they have a linebacker like Brandon Copeland out there who's going to try to hit him as many times off the line of scrimmage as possible? So I wouldn't rule out attacking Jonathan Jones or if they can get a switch or, you know, a zone coverage to where they can get Joan Williams lost, that maybe they attack him as well. So if I were the Raiders, I wouldn't be afraid early to test the four wide receiver set 
see if I can find Williams or Jones and try to pick on them early. Andy, finally wrapping this up. This is a unique time in the history of football, the NFL. Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, a great matchup with John Gruden and his staff. Where does the owner, Robert Kraft, stand on on fans eventually there, more fans potentially down the road? I mean, this is a vibrant fan base. The last 20 years, six Super Bowls. And a team just used to showing up and winning. I, I've always said this in a funny way. You know, if you're a Patriot fan, you show up in August, you open up your card table, you got your keg, you have a tank top on, it's an outside preseason tailgate, and you look at everybody and say, we're guaranteed to be back here in January. We know for a lock we're going to host a home playoff game. We might have a home bye week and then get together I mean, this fan base has been spoiled with the riches of success. How are they hanging in here now post-Brady? Well, I think Cam Newton has made it a lot easier, JT, because it's a sexy name that people can get into. It isn't trying to get fired up for Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer or even, you know, some of the other free agent quarterbacks that were out there where, let's be real, man, it's, it's, it's hard to see the greatest of all time and then be like, uh, oh, yeah, this will be normal. This will be fine. Everybody is going through the adjustment, and Cam, really from the way he plays, from the way he talks, from the way he acts after touchdowns, things like that, this is a whole new world for Patriot fans in terms of adapting to Cam Newton from Tom Brady. But that said, you know, the fact that he had credibility and the fact that he's hungry, too. He came in and said the whole right things, and Belichick loves to get those guys where there's a little meat on the bone and they're aggravated because he loves to tap into that kind of stuff. But, JT, in terms of the fans, in terms of getting in the stadium, are you kidding me, bro? We already know. Like, they ain't got on, – on, and even – honestly, I really believe this. Like, even if there's a vaccine that gets approved in January, I still don't think the state of Massachusetts or New England will react. They're going to – they'll take their time. They'll wait. They'll wait for practically uh, people to <laughs> revolt uh, based on the current restrictions that we have out here right now. Massachusetts, I don't think, is letting up. And unfortunately for the Crafts, they're not going to get any bodies into the stadium this year. And you know what, JT, in a really weird way, I think there's a part of that that Belichick doesn't hate. Just like he doesn't hate talking to us rubes over Zoom. He doesn't have to look at us. He doesn't have to deal with us. I think the more secluded Bill Belichick is in every way, shape, and form, I really, truly believe the guy is happier for it. Thanks, Andy. This was perfect leading up to the game. All the best. I love coming on your show and uh, anything I can do down the road. Uh, NASCAR's in Vegas, so maybe next time they come around, there'll be no more pandemic. We can have some beverages and talk football again. JT, I love that, friend. Thanks a bunch. I love Vegas. I appreciate you having me on today, and uh, I hope we get the game we're expecting. You got it. There he is, Andy Gresh. I knew he would be perfect. Perfect for the game plan to have him. He, he's a talk show host who's big back there, and you could just tell how he's rolled through this. Perfect way to wrap up the podcast, the game plan for everyone at Silver and Black Productions. I'm JT. Next week, we get you ready for the Buffalo Bills as the Bills come to Vegas. Thanks for downloading and sharing the game plan podcast. Thank you for listening to the game plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network. 